0: Well, hello, friends. All right, let's do it. Today's guest is one of my new friends, Laurent Noten, all the way from Finland. Yeah, that's right, Finland. Yeah, Laurent left France 22 years ago. He lived through uh, Southeast Asia for 20 years before he returned to Finland. Yeah, with his new uh, lady, right? So we're gonna talk about the imposter syndrome, right? You ever felt like you were an imposter you know, someplace you got it and you felt like you weren't, you know, you weren't, you, you weren't really meant to be there. We're going to talk about that stuff. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about the art of asking for what you want. We're going to talk about history, world travels. Yeah, we're just going to have fun. This is going to be a great conversation. Don't forget to tune in, tell a friend, and uh, yeah, share it on social media. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. God will give some love to that YouTube channel. Yeah, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kids in the Room podcast. That's right. That's right. Brought to you by Move Faces. Let's go! Woo! All right, all right, all right. Hey guys, welcome to the Kids in the Room podcast. Today we've got Laurent Noton on the actual podcast. Did I say that right, or did I butcher it? Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, that was really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we, yeah, man. So. Man, what's going on? Can you tell everybody, like, you know, how you're feeling today? And, like, you know, what brought you on the show? And, like, what is your magic? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, well, it's already 8 p.m., like 8.20 p.m. here. Uh, so, I live in Finland. I'm French originally. So, my day, my day is done pretty much. Uh, after you know, after you, I'm going to go to bed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I've been living overseas. And I've been living in Finland for two years. Uh, but I've been living overseas for twenty for twenty two years. I left France when I was uh, what twenty three. I went to uh, a country in Southeast Asia called Laos originally for nine months, and then we stayed, you know, six and a half years because life life happened. And then moved to Cambodia, uh, moved to Vietnam, came back to Cambodia, and then moved moved to Finland. So that is uh, a big living overseas has been a big big part of uh, of my life. And otherwise um 4 years ago I decided that I would become uh, an entrepreneur and I'm uh, I'm a coach to entrepreneurs now. I've been doing that for 4 years also uh, mentor startups. And I'm also a pot- podcast host.
0: All right, cool man, that's amazing stuff. So you mentor You've, you've mentored founders and, and startups. Yes. Like, how do you mentor them? Yeah. What's missing about them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where should I start? How long do we have?
0: <laughs> we've got a little, we've got a while. Let's do it. Let's, let's dig in, man. Let's go. <laughs> what are you mentoring, man?
1: So, um, I specialized with uh, you know, entrepreneurship, maybe, is what I consider being the most difficult job there is. It's very demanding. Uh, you know, it's full of uncertainty, but at the same time, it's very exciting. All the entrepreneurs I know, you know, they're very passionate about what they do. They don't count their hours, but they reach a point in their entrepreneurship journey where they get stuck. You know, when you are, when you are facing a wall, if you imagine you have your, your wall, your, your head like on the wall, and it's so close to the wall that you can't get your heads up or down. You can get your head, you know, you can turn it uh, right or left. When you're like this, you can't see how high the wall is and where, the, where are the exits if, and if there are any exits. And entrepreneurs, startup funders, they tend to fall into that category of people, like most of people, where well, they get stuck into situations like this because their heads are closed to the wall because they spend a lot of time into the daily operations, day-to-day operations being very consuming. And they forget to take a step back out of the business, look at the big picture and focus on things like, you know, a strategy, for instance. So this is what I, this is where I help. I help them get uh, out of that ball, I help them get unlocked from situations that they have created. The way I like to put it is, I help them avoid being the bottleneck in their business.
0: Okay, okay, and you know, how does that? So, so normally you come in, you you start, you know, you you coach them, you know, you start, you know, yeah. how, how are you getting like referrals? Like, how are you getting the the buy-in? Like, how's that working out? So
1: when I started. <laughs> Four years ago, um, I studied in Asia, where I had a good a good network. And what I did is that I approached people I knew. So I approached entrepreneurs, uh, business funders that I knew, and this is how I got my my first clients. Um, then I moved I moved to Finland, and I had to find I had to find a way to to find to you know, to find those new clients. So I created a podcast. And my podcast helps me. So my podcast is called Interviews, Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. And I created the podcast for, for two reasons, mainly. Number one reason, is because I needed information about entrepreneurship so that I can better advise my clients. And, you know, what is the, what is the best than talking to entrepreneurs? You know, you, you, collect, the, you collect the information from, from the primary sources. of income. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because I needed to find clients. And so I talk to those entrepreneurs on my show and then, you know, I'm, I try to convert them into, into clients or they can, they help me, you know, build my, prof, build my profile and so they can connect me with people they know.
0: Wow. That's cool. So you, you basically, you interviewed people and then you use that as like some type of like crowdsourcing way to, you know, get new prospects for your business. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And of course, at the same time, I'm I'm building my network here in Finland, I'm trying to get some clients
0: here. Right. Yeah. But you're you're not Finnish. You're actually from France, correct? No.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finland. I think this is what land of the Vikings or one of the lands of Vikings ancestors. It,
1: yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But the, the Danish Denmark is that uh, is a bigger uh, Viking land if I am not mistaken.
0: Ah, Danish for Danes. Yeah, got it.
1: Yes, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, but they came in France too as as well. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They went, they went, they went, they went far. Then I, I watched the uh, the series called Vikings mm-hmm. and uh, on on. I think it started on netflix yeah i mean if you haven't watched it it's, it's a great it's a great series and you you follow a little bit what you know what all the vikings did they went all the way down to um to africa mm-hmm. and then of course well we think they went to the the us too
0: oh yeah we know they went to the us we found we found mm-hmm. remnants of them in uh near the canadian area
1: maybe yeah
0: yeah 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 we found we found mm-hmm. We found old uh, uh, ornaments and different things like that that were dug out of the ground. Um, Yeah, it's proven. It was Leif Erickson who actually went to the Americas first, but he didn't, supposedly, he didn't go too far in. He literally returned back. And I think the thing, the reasoning was why he returned was because um, he was supposedly, you know, given something or, or somebody, something happened where he returned and he, you Know, went back on his his crew and he never supposedly returned back again, which was like irony, right? He discovered it, and then he's like, Oh, yeah, well, let's go back, I have something else happen. So, I need to return back to the people over in you know, Greenland yeah. and things like that. And he never returned back, and so they never returned, supposedly. Right. So, this is what this is the only evidence that. that we have, yeah. Leif Erickson, yes, yes, he was him and a couple of uh, Vikings were the ones who, uh. Discovered America, yeah, they found mm. their whole settlement and everything else like that they found their tools and things like that It's a fact that they were here mm. at least before uh Christopher Columbus was yeah yeah, yeah, that's updated yeah you can, <laughs> you can dig on that later, but yeah man you, maybe where you I will I will you, it's very it's very fascinating
1: the the history of uh the story of history of Vikings it's fascinating. They were very. Some of the things they were doing were very advanced. Uh, For instance, the 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 way they were, the the place women had in the society, Mm -hmm. way advanced, way more advanced than in some countries today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of countries today, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, man. Like most of the world, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know any other. I don't know a country that has a female lead or president.
1: Yeah. Oh, here in Finland,
0: Do prime we? minister is she's a, she's a woman. There we
1: go. Es, Estonia, Estonia, okay. uh, the the neighbor, mm-hmm. she's also a woman. That's well, amazing. Angela Merkel in uh, in Germany, she stayed in power for eighteen eighteen years, and wow. she's gonna she's gonna retire now. Well, at least she's she's leaving a position. So, and here, Finland is really. Like the the women in the society here in Finland, the women have, have a very very important uh, place in the society here. You you see they they are well we, when we're talking about gender equality, and Finland is a great representation of that.
0: Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I didn't know about yeah, those. It is you, you don't hear those you don't hear those marketed out too much. I wonder why. <laughs>
1: maybe because it's uh, a world dominated by men
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think i can agree on that man for sure it's wild man yeah man i mean like yeah i mean vikings were you know some you know amazing group of people um yeah i'm sure a lot of people here even on the podcast you know have a a lot of viking descendants you know you know you've got awesome blonde hair or do you have blonde hair what do you got? I do.
1: I, I when when I had hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> I used to be blonde. Yeah, yeah blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> I Now they turn
0: more like white. Yeah, yeah. You you might have had some Viking ancestors somewhere down there. That's a, you know possibly. I don't know. Could be yeah. some symptoms of some Nordic. You know. Yeah. Um, you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't tell always by looking at people, right? Because I mean, it's been thousands of years. So they have ancestors yeah. who spread all around the world. Exactly, yeah. but it's
1: true that here, when I when I uh, go around here, I you know I melt very well. Like they think I am one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You could easily pass as somebody Nordic for sure. Nobody would ever like guess. Yeah. Like ah, oh, what? It's French? No, we, oui, we, oui, you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because those are like typical Nordic uh, phenotypes, you know, with the blue eyes and the blonde hair and things like that. That's mm. it's, it's kind of typical. I would say that. A lot of people in that region have um but of course there's others right there's not like one thing um Mm -hmm. but that's pretty awesome but why'd you move to finland out of all places man why not france you you know the language easier i mean like like why
1: because i met a woman and she's Finnish.
0: oh there you go she had
1: lived yeah we we met in cambodia and uh, she had lived overseas for seven eight years and um we both wanted to go back To Europe, I was fed up of Asia. After twenty years, it was it was it was time, you know. And also, she also wanted to uh, to leave Asia. And so we we discussed. Then we had the choice about you know France or Finland. And I didn't want to go back to France, so we went to Finland.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, twenty years. Cambodia. What's in Cambodia for twenty years? years, Asia. Asia in general. What's what's out there, man? Twenty years. Come on. Yeah. All right, what's yeah, but on? it's fascinating.
1: It's a it's fascinating over there. It's uh, you know, like I said, I, we moved initially uh, for nine months. So I was with someone else. So I went to Asia with uh, a different woman, and initially for for nine months, and we stayed like six and a half years in Laos, the first country where we were. Then we moved to Cambodia because I found a job in Cambodia, then Vietnam, back to Cambodia. But it's it was fascinating. It was like so. so you, you imagine I was there in 1999, so that was a long a long time ago. There was the the, the countries were starting to boom. Like there was like I lived uh, the the I think this this economic boom of Southeast Asia. I've lived it. I was there, and it's still. I mean, the countries are still going up like fast, but it's so. There's so much happening all the time, and you know when you have an entrepreneurial mind, uh, you you always look at you always want to do you always want to build stuff, and that's what in Asia that's what happened all the time. They build stuff all the time; it's, they they never stop. And that was what hooked me: that dynamism, the fact that I was working for um, small companies, but I had a lot of responsibilities, and there was and I was just enjoying it. Until I, uh, it was too much. Until I, it, it came to the point where everything I liked, I started uh, hated it, and it was time that you know, it was time for um, something new.
0: Why did that happen? Why do you think that happened? Why did you start hating it?
1: Too much, too much of always the same thing. You know, you start turning into circles.
0: Mm. Like repetition. That,
1: you know, yeah, repet- repetition and all the little things that. Uh, you thought were great and were pushing you to uh, to give the best, you know, every day. After a while, they just are in your face and you're bored about it because you don't see any changes. Or maybe there are changes, but or maybe it doesn't change that fast, as fast as you want. And yeah, I needed also reach a point where I wanted to change environment. I wanted to be closer to nature. I mean don't get me wrong in Asia you got fantastic sand beaches you know with the palm trees and everything rice fields the, right, the rice field right after the the rainy season it's absolutely fantastic you know beautiful sunsets but that's not what I wanted anymore I wanted something like Finland has forest lake I wanted to be closer to 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 nature which is very difficult to have in uh in, in Asia all these big capital big you know Bangkok, Phnom Penh now uh Kuala Lumpur, the huge, huge huge cities uh with very little green, and it never stops it never stops. I just wanted also yeah, yeah you know just just to to slow down a little bit
0: right, you felt like you got a little bit older, you felt like you wanted to slow down and yeah. you got tired of this inner city yeah. you know you wanted a change of scenery. And he was like, yeah, "I, I got to get out." And how yes, about the, how exactly in the job market? You say that kind of got stagnant too, as well.
1: Well, for me, yeah. You know, I mean, I I, cre- I had created my uh, my my own company at that time. Uh, I, st- I started being a coach in, in Asia, so it wasn't for me. It was easy to move because I I thought you know I don't need to I don't need to uh, find a job. I already have a job. I, I need to and I do that in a, in a new country in, in Finland. Uh, what was difficult was the the fact that I under evaluated the difficulty that I would ha- I would face building a network here in Finland. I was a bit complacent, I have to say, and so that coupled with the uh, the pandemic. I took a big slap in the face, you know, big wake-up goal. Like last year, in, that was like in January. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh this year is going to be super difficult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Pandemic, super difficult. Yeah. I think it yeah. was difficult for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. you, you basically, you yeah. know, but how did you – so, so you, you did survive, you know. You made it. I did, yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you first got into this, how did you just like start – how did you start thinking about how you're going to make money? Like, how did you think about like how I'm going to charge people and you know for my time and my money? Like, how do you how do you break that down? That was the so I charge
1: per an hour basis. That's how coaching coaching works. Um, that's all. So what I did is that basically I thought about how much do I want to make per month, and I divide that by 22 days. Which is kind of the number of working days in a in a month, and divided by eight, eight hours a day, and I gave me my hourly rate.
0: Awesome. And that's how I started. Amazing. So you just basically said, "Hey, this is what I want to make," and yeah, or or I, was it what I want to make, or was it what I need to make? It was what I would like to make, ah. considering that I was living in I was living
1: in Asia, so you know the. The, the life is not as expensive as it can be here. And so, and that's how
0: I, I calculated it. But what happened when you moved over to Finland? Well, I had to reach, <laughs> I had to review my fees. <laughs> I had to increase
1: them, obviously, because life is way, way more expensive here. Uh, but it was, it was kind of the same, same calculation. I just look at, okay, this is, you know, my expenses, uh, that's that's the minimum I need to get to cover all the expenses. And this is, you know, how much I would like to make. And then I did the same the same exercise.
0: Right. And then how did you kind of itemize your time? Like, you know, I mean, like, because mo- most people might think like, okay, so you're you're consulting, you know, for businesses. What are you doing? You're just talking. So like, you know, like how, how many times can you do that? Like what goes into all this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I don't, there is no automation for the moment. I'm not. Uh, that's my next step. So, what I would like to do next is that I would like to create an online training course, you know, and then sell it sell it online. But today I am in a in a stage where my time is limited. I have eight hours a day, so I only coach. You know, if I were to coach like full time, that would be like eight hours per day. So I can't scale up, but I am absolutely fine with that. This is. Uh, decision that i made because i am not chasing i'm not chasing the money i'm chasing my quality of life you know i need i used to be working a lot i worked a lot i worked to the point you know like sometimes like 10 12 hours every day easy i did that you know as a result what did i get well I had a great job. I had a lot of, I had a lot of money. I mean, I'm, I, was, I was, you know, I was enjoying life. But was I really because this resulted into me doing a burnout? I split with my uh, ex. And, you know, I have not enjoyed my kids and spending time with my kids as much as I wanted to. Okay? And that is over. I don't want to do that again. So my priority now I'm 45 my priority is just to enjoy the life is to do what I want to do and being an entrepreneur enables me that I can express myself you know it's being able to have an impact helping people which is what which is that's my why is I want to help people this is I can't I just can't it's 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 stronger than me I can't help it <laughs> you know you know what I mean yeah and I, and I wanted to, to be doing that as long as I can and as much as I can. And I also want, at the same time, to be able to enjoy my new my new uh, partner, my kids. You know, take a bit of time for me, enjoy enjoy life.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes all sense. And so you've got new kids and things like that, or
1: no, I still have the, the same. Okay, <laughs> no, okay, new, okay, no new okay, kids. Okay, they new are kids. they are nineteen and nineteen and fifteen. One of them one of them uh, lives with with us here in Finland. And the other one uh, lives in uh, Morocco with his mother.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. He had a mm. Moroccan wife. Cool. Yeah. No, she's French. No, she's no, French. she's not Moroccan. Oh, but she's, she's, she's French, French, but she moved. Morocco. When I moved, yeah. Got it. They speak French too, Morocco. But when I moved
1: to, uh, from Asia, I moved to Finland and she moved to Morocco.
0: Wow. Why Morocco? Yeah. Because she found a job there. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, cool. Yeah, there you go. Found a job there. Go. Mm. Morocco. Why not? <laughs> exactly that's amazing exactly yeah, yeah. you went to finland why can't you go to morocco hey um exactly yeah yeah um yeah so that's crazy man so wow you went on this this decent journey you had to re you know situate yourself so i i think like i still didn't get the point of like you know now you're here you've you've gotten your your money in a situation to your recalculating things but like how, yeah. I, I don't get like what you're doing within within your time like like you're coaching people. Like once you've yep. coached somebody, you know initially, yep. what is that? How many? It takes four hours, like five hours. How long does it take? Like how do you itemize no, that and consistently go? Like I'm, so, like how does it work?
1: So when I go into a, a coaching um, collaboration with a client, usually it's going to last for six months because it takes long to get to to, to see any results. Now. What happens during those six months is that we're going to meet, I'm going to meet with my clients every other week. And every, every other week we're going to meet for about one hour. Sometimes, sometimes a little bit more or sometimes a little bit less. It really depends. And that's the, the, the core work, the, the, the coaching, this is when the coaching happens. So that is around like 12 sessions over over six months. Now, on top of that, I always had some what I call floating hours that they can take anytime they want. Uh, Maybe, maybe because, you know, they have um, an important issue they want to discuss. And so they give me a call and we talk about it. Okay. And plus that comes uh, support on WhatsApp. So we always, I use WhatsApp a lot and we always, we always connected through, through WhatsApp, you know, Exchanging, making sure that everything is going fine, sending sending them some uh, articles or links to links to uh, videos or blogs or whatever, or podcasts that you know may be relevant to the issue they have. And that's pretty much that's pretty much the, the 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 work I do. How it
0: how it is structured? Wow! Yeah, so you pretty much settle you you put it down to like twelve hours. I mean, twelve sessions. Twelve in 6 months it's
1: 12 sessions plus 14 hours plus the continuous the continuous work but all the work is really done by by my clients you know coaching is about coaching is about transforming people so we coach coaching is coaching believes that everybody has the answers in them but sometimes in it's external help to dig the answers you can't find those answers by yourself because you're like i said you're stuck and that's when coaching comes. That's when coaching comes in. So my job is to guide my clients to the answers. How we do that in a session? We ask. I ask questions. Sometimes I give advice because I'm on the edge of, you know, a coach slash a mentor, and I have 20 years of experience uh, working for entrepreneurs and with entrepreneurs. But the rest of the work is really, is really, is really done by my clients. <laughs> What is really important is at the end of every session they leave with uh, some sort of a homework you know a small list of actions to do between now and the next and the next session cuz you want to get things done you want to get to results otherwise there's no point
0: Right yeah you got to get the results So mm-hmm. wait so so how do you how do you how do you find out those results again like how are you how are you? How are you keeping track of that?
1: So before uh, we enter into the coaching uh, session or into the coaching collaboration, I will determine with my clients what I call key success indicators. Usually, usually I use three of them. So basically, I use them as uh, as like the goals, if you want to. But to measure to measure the progress of my clients. And to make sure to make sure that you know we, we follow some sort of a path, right? So we don't talk about too many things and things that are not not related. And those goals are the way we measure success. That's why I call them key success indicators. If we achieve them before the end of the session, before the end of the collaboration, sorry, before the end of the six month, then we change we change them. You know, we put we put new ones.
0: Mm.
1: And those goals can be those key success indicators can be absolutely anything. It really depends on my client. So I have a list of questions that I would ask before we start the first coaching session. And so that will force them to sit down and really think about what it is that they want out of those of this coaching collaboration.
0: Yeah. So you don't get equity off of these things or you know, you just get like this this little fee. And you help yeah. build these entrepreneurs yeah. and, you know, they make yeah. their, their billion dollars and you, you kind of go home and collect your couple of hundred. Yeah. 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 How does that sound fair? Yeah,
1: I have, yeah. <laughs> How but does that sound you know, fair? You know, it's, 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 <laughs> no, but it's, 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 it's interesting what you're saying because I, had, I was discussing with a friend of mine, another, he's a, he's a coach also, but in a real estate sector, he was telling me this. He said, you and I, we're very good at uh, having others make money, God, but we're not—we're not good at doing it for ourselves. But it doesn't matter because we don't care. And it's just, yeah that's kind of what what I feel. You know, yeah. I have clients who make have been making a lot of money, very, very, very successful, and I'm very humble that they have chosen me as their coach.
0: Right. I mean, and I it, love it for that. Right. I mean, that's awesome, right? But at the same hey. time. Think about how much effort and how much time you can spend on helping a lot more people, getting your system together that you could be doing if you were actually making more residual income.
1: True, but coaching is not about putting people in a box. Mm. And that's what automation does. You put people in a box. Mm. What I do is one-on-one coaching. I'm not selling any program. I'm not selling any coaching program. I'm not selling. I'm not making any promises. I'm not telling you, hey, you're gonna get, you know, you're gonna you're gonna increase your revenue by 10x in the next three months. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm doing at all. And I don't want to do that because I don't believe in it. That's not what entrepreneurship is about. I'm a coach for entrepreneur. Those people, you know, entrepreneurship takes time. Entrepreneurship is a journey. It takes time to get there. And what I want is, I want to be. Uh with them for as long as I can be. You know, I have a client, for example, in Vietnam. We started together four years ago. I'm still with them. I have another one in Thailand, started with them like three years ago. I started with them from scratch. I started with them creating the creating, they started the business three years ago. And the business was we were just talking about it on a piece of paper. But I'm still with them. And so I'm really way more interested in building that relationship. And seeing and seeing them grow you know than auto than automating my my process
0: and I agree Does with that. it make sense yeah, it makes total sense, but I'm not saying just uh, automating your process. I know you were saying earlier that you had you were thinking about putting up something some type of like um, program together, so this is where I came back with this online automation. training yeah yeah, so like that's so that's yeah. what I'm saying, so like online training, but that's what I'm saying though, if you were in a situation True. to where you had a better deal to where you know, you're working with them, you're helping them build their businesses to million or maybe even a billion dollar industry. You know, you'd have more time if you had more skin in the game than just like, because you did mention that you guys don't really, you know, you were talking to your other real estate agent and things like that and said, you, you know, you and your friend, basically, you guys didn't really care about the money, right? But we're all in this to profit we needed to survive right so it's like they're in it to profit i mean they're not hiring you because they don't want to profit right they would never hire you if they didn't want to profit so it's like sure why not why not get something to where you're comfortable and where you don't have to you know keep on chasing your tail every couple of months you know where you can be more relaxed and you're getting more skin in the game because you're helping these people build big businesses think about this sean parker facebook right He's the guy who introduced Zuckerberg to a lot of the investors, helped him out, build his infrastructure legally to put him on top to where he is right now. Or he would be kicked off the company years ago or, yeah. or, or whatever it may be. But Sean Parker came in. He got a percentage, a percentage of the company. He got some equity. Within six months, this yeah. guy's like, you know, he has equity to a billion-dollar company roughly. Yes. Did the same thing you did. Yes. Yes. So, Okay.
1: So the first thing is, I know, I know that I'm also, you know, I, I understand I need to uh, develop my business, which is why I want to create these online training courses. And that's my my bigger next big thing, because I want, I need, you know, I'm not stupid. I need some passive income. Now on the other on the other aspect is, one thing is, I am, I, I define, uh, I'm very clear about who I want to coach, who are my, who my clients are. Right very very clear and so those people i'm uh usually going uh helping they are not there yet most of the time you know they're more the, like four or five four, five years uh around four or five years experience running the business so they're not that big and i'm i, I like i like to cut i like to cater to those type of people more um the people that I coach who are big, they are too big already for me to come and say, hey, <laughs> I, want, I want a piece of the pie.
0: Right. But why not start okay. off when they're early? So that's
1: the idea. It's to start off with. That's why also I'm a startup mentor. It's because it also enables me. I'm involved in incubators and accelerators. And it enables, it enables me to see what's going on in the startup world. And hopefully, you know, being able to, uh, to get some uh, equity against uh, advice.
0: And this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking yeah. about, Laurent. This is what I'm saying. Mm. Some piece of the pie. You know, I, I yeah, get yeah, yeah. it. I get it. You're great at business. You want to help people. But people who help a lot of people get paid. You know, they get paid, man. Sure. They fucking get paid. They do. They get paid. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Jeff Bezos is helping how many people with Amazon, But he's getting paid. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a lot of things happening in the world where people are helping people, but they get paid. You know, I I think I think there was like a quote where it says, you know, um, uh, I'm not exactly sure who said it. Um, I don't know if it was Elon Musk or someone else. But you get paid um, in direct uh, proportion of the difficulty of the problem, the difficulty of the problem that you are solving. Right. True. So it's like. If you feel that your problem you're trying to solve is difficult, right? Yeah. And you're one of yeah. the kind. But man. you know it's it's Why not, you know? Yeah. Cut yeah. the pie. Yeah. They're going to make they're going to take the money. They're charging their clients. They're charging True. people. They're not going to say, "Oh no. Oh no no, I just really want to help you. Here's some food. Oh, here's some of my business for free. Oh, take a discount for free cuz I don't really care about the money." So why would you, you know? You know, mm-hmm. take what's fair. I'm not saying being greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't try to take everything in and, you know, rip somebody off and, you know, things like that. Not saying that you would, but I'm saying don't do that. You know, I wouldn't do that. But I'm saying, like, get where, you you know, you feel like you deserve. It allows you to help more people. There's nothing wrong with asking. The law of asking, ask. Why not? Why not you? Indeed. You know? You got kids in Morocco? You got kids here? I mean, like, come on, man. They need they need, <laughs> they need, need money, man. They need money. They need money to do the nice, lavish things that they want to do in life. And not even lavish. It's just their basic things. And, you know, you are a provider. You're a dad, you know? Like, there's nothing wrong with providing. There's nothing wrong with it, man, you know? Look at that. You got mm-hmm. the nice Uncle Sam behind you. I want you for... The USA. I yeah. mean, this is all about capitalism, you know. This is the army, of course. But still,
1: I bought it, I bought it in uh, in New York, actually.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got to use that samurai sword behind you, man, and just like slicing, slicing, and, and dicing these uh, prices, man. And, and you know, people respect you, man. Sometimes when you when you when you add a pretty price on your creativity, because then they know mm-hmm. it's a value. at sometimes, and people don't, you know, take you for granted. Not to say that they are now, but it's like sometimes you just have to. You have to do what you have to do. You have to ask, you know, because your value and, and the knowledge that you have of twenty some odd years—that's a lot.
1: You're absolutely absolutely right, Coach. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I, I have to say this something I've never been really good at. I I recognize it. I'm, I'm that's why I'm way better at helping others because I can tell them this kind of stuff and not do it by my, for myself. Yeah, I, think, I, th-
0: I agree. I think that's the creative, the creative curse in some people, where they just overthink things and they start, they get lost in the process, you know. Yeah. And something that you're coaching other people is like, you know, the same type of situations where you're like, dude, I'm getting fucking lost in the process, where I'm not thinking yeah, about me course. and what I need to do. And it's like you got to take care of yourself first before you can help others. How do you properly take mm-hmm. care of yourself if you're t- spending all of your time? Stretching yourself out, watering yourself down to help others, and then you're just giving them the saturated version of Laurent, right? You could be giving them the the, the full of juice, the full metal jacket, right? You know I, I just believe like there's just a lot of opportunity towards you know yourself to where you can just be asking for what you kind of what you kind of work for not really saying you're you're begging people it's not about that it's not about you know putting people in an uncomfortable position it's about getting what you what you've been paid dude and the hard work that you're putting in there and you know if they're working with you they respect that obviously so why not mm-hmm. just don't think it's a bad thing yeah <laughs> I never said it was – I never said that. <laughs> that is true. You, you, true you t- didn't say that. You didn't say that. But what yeah, you yeah. did say what was that you just never really thought about it. And I think that's just like a, a thing, you know, of self-help people. They, they, end up, they, they end up in this, you know, cycle where they're just like, I want to help people. I want to help people. And it's just like you got to help your fucking self, man, to help other people efficiently. And oh, I think I, we forget and neglect ourselves when we spend so much time nurturing others – and, you know, throwing water on their plant and seeds, and we're not watering our own at home. Like even you said, I was working 12 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and I didn't get to raise my kids like I wanted to. I was just working, working, mm-hmm. working, working, working. So there you are, seeding, you know, throwing water on some seeds of other people's lives. But then your own, you weren't really watering in that enough, right? You didn't nourish it yourself. So you weren't giving your 150% to others because you weren't, you're spreading yourself that
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, we do that. When I
1: was as when, when when I was uh, uh, working about art, I was not I was not a coach yet. I was uh, I was working in the market research industry, but I was running I was running a company. Mm. Well, uh, helping others again, it's kind of the same. Um, but yeah, no, you you're absolutely right. And you know, I sometimes helping others. It's you you do it when it's that – it's a calling for me. It's really a calling to the point where I've got, I've, I've been slapped in the face because I wanted to help others. And I was just, you know, I would get involved, but I would not check. I would not ask for permission first. I would not ask people, Hey, can I help you? And so I was just, I would jump, just jumped into situations and trying, trying to solve the situation for them and, they didn't want me there <laughs> you, you know and so it backlashed at me. Mm. It's several times that it happened to me uh, and I had to, uh, I had to really to uh, learn to change that. like sometimes I really have to you know slap me on my arm or whatever remind myself that no, don't get involved because you cannot save everyone.
0: Not everybody wants to be saved.
1: And not everybody wants to be saved,
0: yeah. Yeah. Some people want to yeah. drown. Yeah. They like drowning. True. They want to just yeah. like the torture. They like the agony of life. Mm-hmm. You know? And and some people just have this like perfectionism thing where they think they know it all. And you come in there with your help and support. And it's like, who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. Who are you to help me? I just, you know, let me do this. I can figure this out myself. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it happens. So what did you do to change that? Just work on
1: myself <laughs> a lot. I've been doing um, introspection mm-hmm. for the past eleven years.
0: But I, I guess so, yeah. I guess I'm asking more. Sorry about that. Is like, how are you now avoiding you know the situation to where you were just throwing yourself out there, offering help for people, and they didn't want it. So now, how are you doing it? How are you getting incoming and inbound? Like, what changed? That's what i I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah.
1: I, am, I am more aware of myself. I think, I think what has changed a lot is self-awareness. So I'm trying to develop that as much as I can uh, and listen to what's going on in me, in my body, physically, but also emo- emotionally. And trying to, as soon as I, for instance, I give you, I give you an, a good example. Uh, I have to fight the imposter syndrome, like a lot of people. A lot of people have, and by doing introspection, I realized that when I uh, struggle with the imposter syndrome, what's happening with my body is that my body is retracted on itself, like like I'm, I'm closing myself like a clamp, you know. And and physically, I can I can feel it. Now that I am able. To understand what's up, what's happening with me physically, when I struggle with the imposter syndrome, I'm able to stop it easy, more easily than before, and change it. So if I, you know, if I'm sitting on my chair and I'm going down, and my and my uh, and my shoulders are going down, my head is going to my shoulders, and I feel it, I know that I'm, I'm fighting my imposter syndrome. And what I will do is that I will stand straight in my chair. I would force myself to stand stand straight into my chair. And that's the type of things I'm trying to do more with everything, including like not not interfering when people don't want my help. Mm. So it's about recognizing the signals and stopping them. (laughs) It's, you know, preventing preventing me from acting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So why do you feel like you're an imposter?
1: Because I'm like who I am to coach those people. They're more successful than me. You know who I am is everything. You know I look I look at social media. Of course, it's playing a big a big role here. I look at the social media, and you know there is a lot of we are, social media always glorify the you know those successful people. And I'm like I'm, I would never be there where they are not not even knowing if this is the reality because most of the time it's not and that triggers my imposter syndrome you know because i feel i have also a lot of uh, i like self-confidence that's another good trigger for my uh, for my uh, imposter syndrome
0: that's interesting that you you said you you lack self-confidence but you're teaching people confidence
1: i know (laughs) i know I know. And you know what? I've been thinking about it. And I'm able to do that because I know how it feels to like confidence. And then then I can relate. I can build a rapport with my clients because I can connect with them at that level. And I know what they're talking about. And I know what they're going through. And then I can use my own experience going through. Um, you know um, dealing with self-confidence and i can i can i can translate it into concrete
0: tangible experience but what do you why do you lack confidence what do you think it is let's dig
1: i don't know it's uh education i would say start start with education uh it starts with i don't know i've as far as i can remember i've always liked confidence in myself. Uh and but I've been I've always been working on it. And I reach a point today where I'm I'm way better at it. Way better. I'm way more confident in myself. Otherwise I would not be doing this this podcast. Right. Uh so I don't mind now. And you know we're talking about earlier earlier on, I was telling you that being an entrepreneur is a way for me to express myself. And that has definitely increase my confidence because I think a lack of self, one of the issues that I I was facing is the fact that, you know, if I start saying things out loud, people may not like what I'm going to say. And they may, you know, and I may have like, I've received like some uh, negative comments. And that has not happened yet, yet. But if it happens, it doesn't matter because these, they are my opinions and some people will not agree with me and that is absolutely fine because i know who i want to serve i cannot please everyone so the realization of that and going through that has helped me increase my uh self confidence
0: right man i mean i can see that man but like where does this like let's dig deeper like where does this kick yep. off at this had to kick off at a of childhood trauma you know growing yeah, up i know, don't know you weren't were, honestly. Like, honestly, did you not get enough fucking hugs? I, like, what's going on? Did we not give you hugs as a I kid? I don't know. Yeah, I did. I did. Lots I, of hugs. I, I had a
1: I had a re- complicated relationship with my father. Now it's going better, but was was a bit complicated. uh definitely, there's something there. Definitely, yeah. there's something with my the relationship with my with my parents, uh, the education I received. De-
0: definitely. Yeah. Right. So they kind of passed down something to where it's like. You don't feel, did they not cheer you on when you were a kid? Did they not push and steal certain things to happen in school? Like there were some trigger points there, man.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you know, yeah. We all go yeah. through it. We all go through it. We all go through it, but in different ways. You know, mm. some of us show those weaknesses in different ways. You know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's not 100%. Exactly. I mean, nobody walks in 100% confidence. These things are, these things are muscles. Like we work on these things and we build them through self-awareness and through you know picking up skills and talking to people and just you know releasing these these demons as we will, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I said a bad word. Yeah, by releasing these demons, we 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 begin to relax. We can we, we begin to throw these things off into the world and spread these things off to other things, and so they're just not sticking in you because if they don't you know if they don't get out of you, it just it just sits there and it marinates. You yeah, know? it never. And
1: we're very good at creating stories in our heads. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, and and, and repeating those stories again and again and again. It doesn't help us. (laughs) It doesn't help anybody. And most of the time, all the stories that we say, that we we, we tell ourselves, are completely illegitimate. I mean, there is... Have you heard about the, The Fog of Worry? No, tell me. So it's by a guy, I think, called... Earl Nightingale, something like, something like that Her, he yes. tried to quanti- quantify the type of what well, to break down the type of worries that we have and so he break them down into five categories the, I don't remember all of them, but I remember two I remember two of them. The first one is the big illegitimate worry uh, for nothing he said something like seventy percent. And then the last category is the real legitimate worries, 8%. So basically, 92% of all our worries are completely illegitimate. They are all in our head. They're absolutely
0: useless, in other words. Yeah, man. I mean, that's true. I mean, it's really true. I mean, some things that kick in, man, is like we are our own worst enemies, man. You know, we stop yep. ourselves from moving forward. And it's just like fear is what stops and kills dreams. Right. You know, yep. and if you just start looking fear in the eye and just start jumping towards the fear, that's when you grow, you know. But, you know, if you look mm-hmm. at yourself, you, you jumped across the world. You know, stayed in different places for 20 some odd years and places you didn't know. And you, you did it fearlessly. You know, um, and then you you come back and, you, you know, you don't seem like you have these uh, lack of confidence issues, right? But, <laughs> yeah. But yet internally, I, been, yeah. is, is it safe been, to say that we kind of have certain issues with it? Like certain trigger points to the lack of confidence? Certain arenas get you into this this emotional turmoil internally where you're just like, oh, well there goes a the lack of confidence because it doesn't seem like, excuse me, it's complete lack of confidence overall. It seems like in certain arenas and certain directions you go into, it, it channels this, this negative emotion of fear mm-hmm. and imposter syndrome. I'm not really this rich guy. I'm not really this, but it, it also, I would also add in there too, is like, you aren't that person yet. Because I could see how that could, you know, you know, misrepresentate, your uh, emotions and ego were like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to these billionaires, but I'm not a billionaire. Why would they want to fucking listen to me? I mean, anybody would say that. You know, when I was putting up my podcast, one of the things that I always do and always think of now, um, which I always did think of different ways, but I came up with this whole, you know, thing where it's just like, everything that I do, I always have to answer to who the fuck are you? Mm. You know, and i have to answer to that. You know, if there's a weakness in anything, who the fuck are you? You know, nobody ever heard of your fucking podcast. Who the fuck are you? I've got to show them who the fuck I am. You know, mm. um, you know, you don't have this. Your sound sounds like shit. Well, who the fuck are you? Why does your sound sound like shit? You got to fix that. You know, your video looks like shit. Well, who the fuck are you? Well, you got to show them who the fuck you are. You know, what is the, what is the, what is the, the highest value of, that proves who the fuck you are? You know, and, and then you might say, oh, well, why do you need to prove? Well, it's not about proving. It's about just being, putting things to a, to a level of quality. Put holding yourself accountable. There's nothing wrong with holding mm-hmm. yourself accountable, right? Because when you hold yourself accountable, you might get rid of some of those internal issues of I'm not there yet or I'm not blah, blah, blah yet. You know, just go, go fight your demons, man. Grab the fucking samurai sword behind you and start slicing them one by one. Jot it down. Start slicing those fuckers away one by one. I've been doing
1: introspection for 11 years. I've been fighting my demons for 11 years. You know... It works.
0: It does work. (laughs) It does work. But, you know, sometimes just writing them all down and just jotting them down and really taking them and just going, just focusing on each one at each different time and just going for Mm -hmm. that one and putting all your energy in in one at a separate time and then going to the next one once you defeat it, almost like a game. You know, I think that's where it's at. You know, just sitting around and, you know, just... Because, like, if you look at your... You're, you're kind of like issues with, you know, um, imposter syndrome. It, if you, you, you mention, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to these guys and, you know, I'm this coach, but I don't have money like them and I don't have a life like them. I'll never be like them. And it's like, you know what? You can't take all that in at once.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to be like them. Hold on. Let me, let me be very clear about it. I'm okay not to be like them. It's okay. This is their life. I'm not, that's not, that's not what I
0: want. I'm pursuing. That is not my goal. Right. But why do you feel like an imposter then?
1: Well, because it's not about that. It's about, it's about me. It's about, it's about my, my lack of self, self self-confidence. Certainly it's, it's just about, you know, who I am to coach people and then tell them what to do.
0: <laughs> but see that, see that, there's I a, think, see, see, where, that, see yeah. where that, see where you dig back at that? You keep on saying, you say, who am I? Who am I yeah. to do that, to coach yeah. these people? But then you say. Well, these people, these people, every, everybody, anybody, okay. you know, any, any, Ooh, okay. any
1: client, I'm not putting any, any. Uh, I'm not pointing out at anyone in particular.
0: But, yeah. but these yeah. are, but these are a particular type of people, right? People who are successful. People who have their, you know, sure. themselves together somewhat, right? These are people are moving up the ladder. So these are people that you obviously feel, from what I'm getting, somewhere not confident enough to work with them or to be next to them in some way. You don't feel up to par? Yeah. Yeah. But
1: not only with those people, those not only with the most successful clients of mine, right? in general... But it doesn't—it doesn't trigger all the time mm. that imposter syndrome. There are there are specific days, for instance, where, you know, the days when I am uh, a bit more uh, tired because I didn't sleep very well. So I know those days are very are very good. It's a very good day for my imposter syndrome to to come up and mm. say hi. <laughs> you forget about me. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I mean, I've been working. I've been working on it. I think also it it is something that. Helps me be a better coach because I'm working on it. My clients, I know that my clients are facing. Some of my clients are facing the same issue, and again, I can use my own experience and, you know, relate relate to them. And that's what it is. But imposter
0: But imposter syndrome, yeah. like, I mean, Laurent, come on. Imposter syndrome usually roots from not feeling like. I mean, let's look at the word imposter. Feeling not worthy of where you are, in some sense, right? This is a rough definition, sure. right? Yeah. So, and and so, if we're not feeling worthy, there's a reason usually behind that, right? There's some type of like some type of you know physical or emotional reason that we can quantify and say we don't feel valuable because we don't because there's this there's this benchmark, right? Or mm-hmm. there's this level that we feel that we're not at. We feel we don't equal mm-hmm. that level, so this is why we feel like an imposter. Right, that's why you're impostering. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing of not of like uh, you know, I guess this is where I, where I dig in and find contradiction internally with emotions is like in explanations is like how do we feel like an imposter, right? If we're saying that we're comfortable with where, who we are, like I don't want these things. It's it's conflict where it's like, hey, I don't want. Oh, uh, I didn't say. Oh, okay. I didn't
1: say I was comfortable with who I am.
0: Ah. huh. <laughs> but I thought I thought you I thought you said you didn't want it. I thought you said earlier really you didn't want it. No, no, it's, it's completely different. It's okay. completely different. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's 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 uh, there is. I am not a materialistic man. Right. I don't I don't care about how big the house is, how big the car is, how much money I have. I don't care about that. But it's more. Everything happens for me. It's more like inside, inside, inside me. You know and my my, I've always been ah, see for example now now you make me talk and I'm thinking about something there's a fact also that I've always been a bit complex about my my body I've always a bit, been a bit fat until I started CrossFit okay I think that you know that lack of confidence the imposter syndrome also come from that I was always that complex that I had uh, then I started CrossFit and then I'm um, I went from fat to way fitter and I'm 45. I'm in the shape of my life, like in the shape of my life. And I, and I'm really, really, I feel I'm really fit. Uh, But it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm fulfilled. And I know sometimes I know me, I know, I know me very well. And I know that I have so much um, high expectations for myself. uh, That, my imposter syndrome will continue kicking it until I lower the bar.
0: Ooh. So walk us back through that. So you said and you feel like the imposter syndrome, you can get through that if you lower the bar for yourself. Yeah. How, yeah. Do you, how do you feel like – so how does that correlate to a person that you don't feel that you're you know, valuable enough to be coaching, for example? So how does that – how do you equate that then? What's the bar for that? Because you're imposter so, now, right?
1: For, for, for that, there's no, it's not, The. it's not that I don't feel I'm worth it. It's, it feels like, it feels like, why me? You know? <laughs> I mean, if they selected me, it must be that um, I've been doing, they, they like what they see. They like something, they like what they see in me, which I'm not able to see for myself.
0: Right. So you, you feel mm-hmm. the And then we
1: go back we go back to that lack of confidence.
0: Mm, interesting. So you get into this point where you say, Why me? even though you've pretty much started working with them. Yeah. But you still doubt yourself and say, But why me? Because yeah. they're so rich and successful. Why would they want to work with me?
1: it's not about being rich or successful it's about yeah it's more about like well they 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 reach a level in with a company that's pretty awesome what they've done what they've done right you know and i'm like oh <laughs> this is this is this is really nice what they what they've been able to accomplish you know and i know i would never be able to reach to reach that level and i'm fine and i'm fine with it and then they come to a guy like me
0: but do you always and, have to and, do you have to, Lauren, do you have to reach their level or why aren't you reaching your level no. of expertise? Your level yeah. of, you know, asking for what you want, which goes back to what we were talking yeah. about previously. You know, maybe yeah. it has something to do with internally not asking for what you want all the time and it just kind of bounces back and you don't get it and you, then you start you start digging and thinking too much. You're like, oh, fuck, you know, you know, why me? Oh, fuck, you know. Well, you know what? The more you ask and the more you start taking for, you know what you feel you deserve, the more you won't say fucking why I me. Mean. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like money, money is not the thing that you should always go by in life, right? But it is a signal of confidence in some way. People use it as a reference of confidence, you know? If you make this amount of money, then that means you must have did a fucking amazing job. Doesn't really mean you did. Yeah, but I don't. But people people feel like No, that but way. I
1: don't. No, but yes, I know. I mean, that's that's a very American way of thinking. Mm-hmm, in dude. Europe it's a little bit it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm uh in europe in france in particular when you make too much money people are looking at you suspicious like they are like, what why if you make so much that much money must, must, something must be wrong so we are not we, are, we we don't have the same we don't have the same connection uh in europe that you guys can have in america where, with with regards to money that's i think that's also very that's also very important to uh to understand uh but with regards to me, it's not about the, again, it's not about the money. It's really, it's really about, it's really about me, myself and I. It's really about, you know, sometimes I need to, you were talking about the mirror earlier and looking at, you know, we are our worst enemy. I am my worst enemy. And sometimes I need to look, look a, a bit more in the mirror and I need to be able to, I need to uh, be able to like what I see in the mirror and tell myself that I'm worth it because some people trust me.
0: You know what but I'm what, But I get exactly what you're saying. I get everything you're saying. Yeah. I get the whole Americans, you know, the, the money yeah. and the value and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have to say, I have to say, I have to say it. I think the thing is, <laughs> I call, I call, you know, everybody in the world. I don't, I don't think it. I think it's not an inherently an American value per se. I think everybody in the world wants to live comfortable, right? Sure. And so when we start talking about living comfortable, it doesn't matter, you know, about how much money you don't really care about, because if you want to live comfortable, guess what it fucking takes? Yeah. Money.
1: But I never said I don't live comfortable.
0: Oh yeah. Well, no, you didn't say that, but you did Hmm. say that you don't, why are these successful people, Working with me. And I know you did say yeah. that also inherently that, hey, look, you know, it's, it's because they, they're, they're doing something so great. And so why me? Why me? Yeah. What makes a person successful? What is a partial thing that makes them successful? It's what they achieve. But how do we measure achievements?
1: Well, a lot of people will measure it with money.
0: Okay, there we go. Yeah. That's my point.
1: No, but it's not about that. Okay. No, but it's not about that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but in my case, it's not about that.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> you feel, so, so no, I just want to get a So, you feel like an imposter because you're working with these well, successful not, people who make money, but that's not what you're feeling like an imposter in. Huh?
1: No. And I don't feel about. I don't feel. I don't want people to think that I feel like, like an imposter all the time. Sometimes, okay. it triggers. Not because you were asking me about you know uh-huh. my my flows and one of my flows is being an imposter.
0: But Seems do, you, like, not do like, you not know why? I mean, to not being an
1: imposter, I, having to deal with the imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. Like I said, it's because I think it comes from this lack of self-confidence in myself, uh, the fact that I have difficulty to accept myself, and that I think I have difficulties to tell myself that I'm
0: worth it. Uh-huh. So what is your, what is your, what is your goal to uh, overachieve that? Like if you, if you feel like you're not worth it, because usually there's trigger points that make you think like I'm not worth it. There's usually trigger Mm -hmm. points. Like these things just don't come out of the the space. Like, Oh yeah, I just don't feel like I'm worth it. Like why some there's, there's signals, there's trigger points that trigger these emotions. And so if we look at the data, there's certain trigger points that consistently do the similar thing over and over again. You mentioned a bunch of trigger points and this is why I'm saying this. Like you mentioned earlier, you said, You know, when I'm working with these successful people, right? And what quantifies success typically, usually we quantify that by money. You know, I don't feel as valuable to them because of why? Because you feel that you don't make that much money as much as they have. So it's like, but it's not about money. See how that, see that? No,
1: that's, that is your perception. That's not how I feel.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, then, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Why
1: do you want to know so much about that?
0: <laughs> 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 I
1: already, I already mentioned, I already said it. It's, it's about, like I said, it's about, it's about achievement. It's about, it's about me looking at myself, looking at myself in the mirror, right. and, you know, recognizing that I'm worth it.
0: Right. But and you are worth it, man. But I, I,
1: I, yeah, I feel like people, it, other people apparently believe that, but I have to believe it for me. Yes, In you words, do. That's,
0: that's, that's difficult. It's difficult for you. But I've had imposter yeah. syndrome. I think everybody has had imposter syndrome. But when you look at yeah. it and you're digging down and you know self awareness and being honest with one person's self, it starts there. I had to be fucking honest with myself. And what I did find out is when I did feel this imposter syndrome, it was obvious to me. It wasn't any, you know, I wasn't dodging myself and thinking it was this other thing. Oh, no, it's not because I have money. To... I knew exactly why I felt these things when I did feel these triggers. You know, if it was because, you know, this person, I was not there at a point in time where I didn't have the money like this other person had, or I didn't have this credential like this other person had. And so they said something, and then I might have felt some emotional pushback, like, oh, shit, I'm not going to be accepted because this person has this over me or this over there's yep. always for me. And from what I've ever heard from anybody else, there's always some type of value that somebody has, maybe that you feel over you, to where you feel that you can't, you, you can't jump over that. So you feel like it, you just attack yourself. I mean, that's how it fucking worked for me. I just attack myself. It's like, oh, well, I can I don't who am I? Who am I to say this? Who am I to start a fucking podcast? Who am I to be a billionaire? Who am I to work at a tech company? Who am I to be poor? Who am I to be anything? There's a confidence on that, you know. There's a lack of confidence, and that's what I found when I actually spoke with many people who had imposter syndrome or even went through it myself. There was an actual reason of why it it exists. There were trigger points that were exactly there that I could measure. It wasn't just something where I just like, you know, I had to look at myself, and I really didn't know what it was. I kind of knew exactly where, where my trigger points was. If it was because if somebody had more money than me, it was because somebody had some for more fucking money than me, and I didn't have it. Or because I knew that the status was, you know, you need to drive a flashy car on here, and at the point of time, I didn't have money to buy that fucking flashy car. So I felt like an imposter when everybody fucking has flashy cars. So, you know, it was obvious to me of why I felt like an imposter, because the word imposter means that you feel like you're talking to somebody else or you're in a situation that you're not you're you're trying to be something that you're not and you don't fit in so you're a Mm poster, you know when i worked at a big company and i first got in i was like oh fuck how did i get here you know how did i get here like why me holy shit Mm -hmm. you know and i started laughing i would laugh i would literally walk around and laugh at myself like holy shit who 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 fucking like tricked these guys to get me here like holy shit i can't believe i got here it's amazing but the fact of the matter is I always laugh and I say, you know what? I worked really fucking hard for it and I did it. And that is where it is. But, you know, there's, it doesn't matter. I think imposter syndrome is something that's really serious. And I think it's like something that nobody ever gets over. Nobody ever gets over it in some ways. Because there will always be situations where you will feel like you are not valuable or the best in the room. So I think imposter syndrome is not a bad thing. But I always think like, hey, look, how do you defeat it? What are the signals and trigger points of it? And I think, like, for me, it can be money. Usually it's a lot of times. For me, what I've always seen, you know, when it comes to imposterism, it's always usually about money or, you know, not feeling like you have the right credentials and things like that. Those are usually trigger points. You know, it's usually not much of anything else because this is what society, not Americans, this is what society uses as little staples to judge you on, you know. How, how, how good looking is your body, you know, how, how how fit you are. You go into a fucking gym where everybody's nice and ripped and in shape, and you're the person who's not in shape, you're not going to fucking take your shirt off. <laughs> you know, you might. I mean, there's some guys that don't care. I know some guys that don't care. They don't care. They're like, hey, I don't give a fuck. But m- most people feel like, holy shit, why am I here in the gym, dude? Look at me. I've got titties, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm a guy. You know, maybe I should have them. I don't know. I'm out of shape. I need to hit the gym. You know, and it's it's not intentional. So it's like you don't feel as confident about yourself in certain scenarios where the dominant, you know, uh, culture or, or where people feel like this is the, the cool thing. You know, this is what I felt and I've seen through people in the past because I think it's something that we all go through. And I think it has to do with mental health. And you mentioned self-awareness. You mentioned a bunch of powerful stuff about self-awareness, learning who you are. But that all kicks into that and self-awareness. And instead of, you know, I think one big thing that I also think internally that I do do different, um, from a lot of different people. And I think it's a mindset thing. And I think yours started Mm -hmm. off where you said, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is you said, you know, I don't feel that way. You know, I don't feel good enough or, you know, this, I, or I don't have these things, you know? And it's just like, for me, you know, instead of saying, you know, um, why, um, why I don't do something and why I don't have this, I would say, why not? Why not fucking me? Who the fuck are these people? You know, no matter what situation I've got myself in, whether it was the smartest school or on the smartest people, I'm like, why the fuck not me, dude? Like, who the fuck is everybody else? Why not me? Why do I not deserve it? And I think when you start thinking of that way, it kicks off a lot of imposter syndromes because I feel that's just like a bad emotional feeling that's just a demon that's there to push you down when you're just fucking kicking ass and you're doing good shit man you're helping people you're helping businesses you know you should never fucking feel that way um you know you should just take what's fucking yours and it's not about Uh, Americans or French or Finnish and we're all human you gotta survive you're a great man you're doing good shit (laughs) (laughs) thank you coach why not fucking you (laughs) I'm just a lover I'm not a coach (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: no but you said you said some really uh relevant stuff it's true
0: yeah but yeah man what else do you do man besides you know i know we went on like amazing journey and and chant about you know random things of you know uh imposter syndrome which i think is a big situation that happens to a lot of you know people in the world and mental health and you know we gotta we gotta sometimes hug people you know sometimes people need fucking hugs you know and just you know care about others Mm -hmm. and you know and not always give a shit about ourselves and i think that's an, an issue that really needs to be brought to light but what else do you do man like what else do you do what else are you working on
1: i mean well, we talk about coaching we talk about um, mentoring startups we talk about the podcast have we talked about the podcast yeah, we, we didn't talk about, about the, the fucking podcast why did you we do did, the didn't why did you start the
0: podcast, the podcast What? why did you start the podcast
1: why oh. um no we we talk about you, it because you I mentioned was, you know, that me you, say, were, you
0: were getting some um, clients and that's why you kind of started yeah. but was that the real yeah. Reason why you can't? Kind of no, it was because podcast?
1: it was because the first reason was because I wanted to have information about entrepreneurship. Okay, crowdsourcing, and, and so I really, uh, I thought that the best way to get you know uh, information was to collect that information from the primary sources, the entrepreneurs, and so that's that's how I, I got I got the podcast. I launched right. the podcast.
0: So the the, the idea and motivation yeah. was to you know crowdsource information so you can grow. And you yeah. know, get and then inspire
1: people, of course, because there's always there's always that aspect. So inspire other entrepreneurs. You know, want entrepreneurs or anybody with an entrepreneurial mindset.
0: What do you think inspires use people? The podcast. Sorry. What do you think it inspires people? What do you think you know people need inspiration? I think
1: I, I think the fact that you, when I talk to entrepreneurs, I talk I talk to entrepreneurs like like you and me, like you know, I'm not. And I think it's very. It's very inspiring to hear the stories uh, from from people who've been struggling, like maybe you're struggling right now. And they've been they've been going through the same issues, like you know maybe the the same issues that you are facing you're facing right now. And somehow they get they got through it, and then they can they can they you know they can tell you something about it. I think that is very inspiring. The other thing that is very inspiring the fact that. We have conversations like we have, I have with you right now, you know, very open, very, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my guests uh, to be uh, as close to their real them as as possible. Yeah. So, because when they are in that stage and you got me into, into that stage, this is where I started opening, opening up and being more vulnerable. I'm trying to do the same with my, with my guests, of course. So they can really talk about what they, you know, what they care, what they have on their heart. And what it really means for them to be to be entrepreneurs. And I have fantastic conversations. Not as long as yours, <laughs> because I try to limit my time to to thirty five to thirty-five minutes. But I'm trying to do I'm trying to do the same to just do the same thing. And I hope that this conversation that we have, we've had we've had now for more than one hour, I hope that is inspiring and that will inspire other people. Maybe some people will say like, Oh, no, there's something I can do with my I should do with my imposter syndrome, for instance.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean And and that's why I really want to stick on that because I think, like, a lot of people go through that. A lot of people go through this Mm. shit, man, you know, and it burns and it it kills dreams. And it needs to be kicked off as much as possible.
1: And especially entrepreneurs. Especially entrepreneurs. You know, we we all talk about – we all see the successes. Nobody talks about the failures. And all these entrepreneurs, all of them, 100% of the people I've talked to, they all have been through failures.
0: But nobody cares about the failures, right? Until you win. But
1: they are so important. Yes. They are so important. Because they make, they, they make, they build you, you know, they build, character. they build your, yeah. persist, your resilience. Mm-hmm. They build your character. They, they, that's, and that's what entrepreneurs need. They need res- that resilience. They need to go through those failures and get up and get, a, get back at it again.
0: But what is an entrepreneur? That's what you become. But what is an entrepreneur? Is an entrepreneur a person who cares about money first? Or is an entrepreneur no. a person who just helps people? Or is he all of the above? Because to be an entrepreneur, don't you have to, you know, you you would think you'd have to care about, you know, making money.
1: No, that is very, very clear. I see a lot of words coming back, you know, in my in what my guests are saying. You know, they use words like persistence, patience, opportunities, people, uh, impact, you know, purpose. All of these words come back again and again and again. There is one word that never comes back. Money. Money. None of them are doing it for the money. If you do it for the money, you're going to fail. Money is just a means to an end. Yes, at one point, you're going to need money to scale up. Yeah, fine. But don't worship it. Don't chase it. And that's not what entrepreneurship is about. Entrepreneurship is a calling. I think that's, that's where it starts. You have it within you or you don't. Like one of my guests... I think said it the best. He said, if you ask yourself the question, are you an entrepreneur? Chances are you're not. And I kind of agree with him. And so that's 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 why I'm saying it's it's a calling. Then it requires a proper mindset. You need to understand that things simple well, simple things, no, you need to understand basic things like Entrepreneurship is a journey. This is where you need to start, your mindset. It's a journey. If you're ever successful, whatever success is for you, okay? It's going to take ages normally to get there if it happens. It's going to change. It's going to be day and night. You're going to you're going to be uh, eating, breathing, sleeping entrepreneurship. It's like it's like you start usually from from nothing usually. And you build some, you build like a construction, you, you know, piece by piece, but the construction never ends because there's always another piece, you know, to add on top of it. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of patience. You don't have any guidelines, you know. Try to build a house without a plan. <laughs> you, you know, it's like what entrepreneurship is about. And so you have to figure it out along along the way, and. So all of, you know, that's what entrepreneurship is about. That's why it requires a proper
0: mindset. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. But I will have to sit hmm. there and say, a lot of entrepreneurs' motivation trigger off of situations of money, money gain. Now, is there inherently yes. this backbone of, you know, Does it? Like, there's tools that you need to be a successful entrepreneur, right? Resilience, like you mentioned, you know, um, You know, uh, having the actual capital, you need some sense of intelligence. You need a little bit of luck and a mixture of that shit and shake it up. Like there's, these are tools that I feel you need to be an entrepreneur, but you, you know, and you need to have like a goal of like, why do you want to be it? And, and have that motivation behind it. I think there's a lot of people that sometimes have some other solid motivations. I think the, the initial motivation needs to be to help people in general Right, if you're not helping people, then you don't have no business. Right, so that's that has to be number one. But you also have to have this idea of, you know, business and, and 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 smarts of how you can actually accumulate money because those are the people that actually make the most and that end up, you know, I mean, of course, when they make this much money, sometimes they feel empty once they get to the end and they made so much fucking money, they got billions and gazillion dollars or millions, but now they're like, oh, now what? Now now. That urge is gone. But what happens typically to entrepreneurs? They keep on going and doing it again because the addiction of winning and accumulating and in, in, in the urge of that just continues to go. But it has some layer where there's a, a solid component of motivation, which is money at some point, but not entirely money. But money has a, is a big reason why a lot of entrepreneurs use that as fuel to keep on going. And maybe not for personally to have the money, just to have it to use, but just to reach these benchmarks to say, I did this like a game, yeah. you know? I mean, look at Nicholas Tesla, guy who didn't give a shit about business, right. From what we can all look at in history, look like he didn't give a shit about business. He was actually seemed like he was horrible with it. You know, he got fucked over and he spent so much of his energy just trying to push out these ideas to push, you know, humanity forward. And he got screwed over by it. And when he died, he died poor, you know, in a fucking hotel alone. And, you know, uh, with fucking pigeons was his friends. Like, That's a lonely fucking existence. He didn't care about business. He didn't care about money, you know, but when he passed away, it didn't seem like he, you know, you know, lived this amazing, fun life for himself. He just, you know, he had a bunch of failures and he had a bunch of successes and, you know, money. He had to rely on other people's money to push out the things that he wanted to push out to people to help innovate and help people but he didn't get to do everything he wanted to do because he didn't have the actual money to do so and he didn't think about the business structure first whereas like guys like Thomas sure. Edison these fucking guys fucked him over because you know what they thought about the money they oh, thought about say, the business money. money they did they thought yeah. about the business model that's why they destroyed no, but, his shit yeah 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 no but i agree i agree with you you
1: need you need you need obviously you need the strategy you need you need the planning obviously you're going to need money if you want if you want to scale up business and they are entrepreneurs some of some people become entrepreneurs because they need to make a living and they need the money to live so the best the best solution that the the, the easiest choice for them is to become entrepreneurs that is very true in asia you know a lot of entrepreneurs in asia become entrepreneurs to survive right because there's no supporting. there's no social security system there's no supporting system from from the government that is that is very true. But we reach a point today where, you know, if you look at what's happening with, you know, we talk a lot about unicorns and whatever else. There's a lot of unicornism. So we reach a point today where you've got all these VCs. They are chasing, they're, they're going after startups. And so they have to transformed startups into commodities. You know what a commodity is? Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, you're... you're Whatever, what you you buy from the grocery. It's everything. So they have transformed startups into commodities for their own benefits. What they want is they want to make high returns very fast. But think about it. If if you're a startup funder, think about it. Is your startup a commodity? Really? Is that the game you want to play? If it is the game you want to play, fair enough, go for it. But the entrepreneurs I've been talking to, and a lot of them, that is not the game they want to play. They re- they're really doing it because, like you said, they crave impact. They want to help people. There's, there's this fantastic problem. Usually, sometimes it starts with them. You know, they, they have a problem, and they have, there is no solution, so they create the solution. There is this fantastic problem that they want they want to to build, and it's that that is the drive for them. It's to, to continue to continue building. And building and building and building and building until, <laughs> you know, what's, what's, what's the point? And that's a, that's a bit of the problem of entrepreneurship today, and, and, and especially in the tech the tech startups, scene what, what we're looking at with, you know, um, all these uh, TV shows like Shark Tanks. I'm sorry, but shark, those, those TV shows, maybe they got a great audience, but that is not the reality of entrepreneurship. That's not what it is in real life how i under, don't understand how an entrepreneur who is sweating a lot to build his stuff okay is negotiating with a shock so, uh, like a shock uh, a shark uh you know money against equity and a lot of uh, very few money very little money against a lot of equity maybe today maybe today yeah you need those two hundred k great. But in five years' time, when, you've, when you're given like 20%, 25%, 30% of your equity, of your company, something that you created with your own hands to someone who is an internal an, an external investor, you, you may regret it because your company is not your company anymore. That's not what entrepreneurship is about for me. And you have the right to, to disagree.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I agree that's not what entrepreneurship is completely – but I believe entrepreneurship or a good entrepreneur understands the the models of entrepreneurship. Yes, and part of yes. the, knowing the models of entrepreneurship is knowing about your agreements and your and, you know and and um, your legal structure that you formate the company yes. on. If you don't yes. understand the legal formation, these things will happen to you. So, not understanding the business, not understanding how the money works, is the core component of why a lot of these businesses fail so not understanding how the money works you will you will fuck yourself you will fuck your company the reason why mark zuckerberg for example again we're going to rant about him the reason why guys like mark zuckerberg are on top of the fucking table is because the way his company was set up from the in beginning points by the people who coached him on how to set up his company by the legal team that set up his company and that legal team's network this is why you have guys like Zuckerberg and the investors too as well. He, he chose smart money. He didn't just choose random money. He chose smart money. Mm-hmm. People that knew the space, people that had connections in the space and in general can bring them more money. He got money from PayPal mafia and these guys who have massive connections, Reid Hoffman, Peter Thiel. These guys have amazing network. Elon Musk was a part of that originally too. So it's like he didn't take money from just a, a random you know, uh, bucket of of a. Ca- of, uh, of, uh, you know, of water, right? He took something that it was thoroughly thought out. And somebody who strategic was coaching him on how to build a dynasty, right? How to build a, a, a great entrepreneurship, how to build a great company from his past negative lessons that he learned previously, because he didn't understand the money. He didn't understand the business, right? And the legalities of that, he lost his fucking company, right? So when you don't have this understanding of money, so I think what I'm saying is like, there's a thin line. You know, I don't like the whole point, And this is where I'm at, Laurent is like, I don't like the point of how people push this narrative of where, you know, money is bad, you know, or, or it sounds like it's bad. Or it's like, oh, you shouldn't focus on the money. Well, it's not about necessarily focusing on the money. It's not praising the money. You need to understand how the money works. And if you don't have a confident logics of uh, logistics of how the money works, and how the legalities work and how formatting a company works and how the media and the PR and all this shit correlates and comes together for you to build a billion-dollar company, it all fucking works as a machine. Like, you don't get there and make this much money and get into a point where you're successful and where you have a bunch of people to build a, you know, a great company for you without having these strategic measures way ahead sure. of time. You have to think before you sleep. And this is where successful entrepreneurs did. They had great informational and information structures financially, mentally, physically, legally. Sure. Bezos.
1: Sure. No, def- def- definitely. I, I, agree, I agree with you.
0: But I'm not saying we should it's hoard the only- all the money. You know, I don't believe no, in no, hoarding no, no, all no. the money, but...
1: No, 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 no. What I'm saying, we, we should not worship the money. When you're an entrepreneur, don't worship the money. Use it as a means to build your company. But don't go after it. Don't chase it. It will come when it comes. But first, like you said, there's there's if you don't, you know, if you have the money, and then you don't know how to spend it, you don't spend it properly, then doesn't it's completely useless anyway because you're going to fail.
0: Yes, but will but but will the, the
1: structure in place?
0: But will will the money come if you just think of money as such a nonchalant, you know, factor? Right? I was like, ah, it's just here and it's just a tool, and da 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 da. You know, will you if, if you don't have that passion to really understand it, you know, will you be able to build that that beautiful castle? Um, I don't think it's
1: I, I, I don't think it's it, it's not nonchalant. Uh, I think it's a combination of everything. I think the passion the, the 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 passion needs to be there. That's you know the passion for building something needs to be there.
0: Yeah, Trust. of course.
1: 'Cause if you don't have that, then you're not you're not gonna get there. Uh this is this is where the um the the purpose, like what is it that you want to accomplish, your why. This is where it's so important because in the moments of failure, that is something you can look at. You know, remind yourself why you started it that you started that journey, so that you can continue the journey. So it's a combination of everything but certainly, if you don't understand how money works if you don't understand how you know startup funders a lot of them don't understand how financial management work they can't read they can't read uh PNL fi- uh, PNL files they can't make a they don't have a budget
0: they don't understand projections uh, they don't do, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah they don't have cash flow cash flow projections i mean all of that you must understand
0: right roi you got to understand it but that's what i'm saying though yeah. like This is what I I think what my point, what I was just want to stick in there and keep, make sure that we hold on to as people is, you know, if we're talking about startups, you know, we should never neglect the money part. And I feel like money gets a bad name. Money gets a bad name because so many people, you you have these people who just look like they're just like, you know, they're they're selfish. They're just hoarding all the money and they just look like they don't care about anybody. And they're just, I need money. I need money. So it, it gets a bad rap. But I feel like yes. it's a scary thing to walk away from that because you, a lot of these people start listening. They're like, "Oh yeah, well you know, money's not the reason why I do this. Money." You start talking all this, this philosophical stuff that sounds great in the end. You know, in in the end, but in reality, if you don't fucking understand it, good luck with your fucking startup because that is what yeah. keeps you alive. That is your, your you know your your how much evaluation you have. And then what's your runway? If you don't understand these, these, these you know, uh, you know uh, financial system structures and how it all works to build this company and legally, like it's good luck with your fucking company because, I've, I've, you know, I've built startups before in the past. And one of the biggest things that I always saw was the biggest failure was not my fucking resilience and my passion. The resilience and passion and cause and reason and why was all there. But all the fucking investors care about is how much money are they gonna make off of it? You know, nine times yeah. out of ten, this is what it is. Cause I mean, it's not an emo- it's not an emotional thing. It's not about my feelings. They wanna they're here to make money. You know, they wanna use that for their kids' fun. They also have a fun, and that fun is given to them and the money and stuff like that through other people. So they have a responsibility. So for me, I always looked at it as like, hey, look, you gotta fucking care about the money, because that was the biggest issue I felt. That was always lacking because you need to get that that little spark of cash is the one spark of cash that can sometimes push you over to your next round, right? And when you lose that momentum, you you, you can pretty much your, – your whole idea and your passion, and your drive, and all that funny, awesome stuff that you made up just can totally float out the window.
1: Yeah, and, and we're, on, we're on the same page. I totally agree with you. The mm-hmm. problem is that we reach a point where a lot of startup funders also think that oh, it's okay, you know. I'm gonna find investors. I'm gonna get the money, and everything will be fine. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is not always gonna
0: work. That's you an idiot can, rule of life. doing that. If you think that, but you know that, that's definitely somebody newbie in there. If you think you're just gonna find this, no. But I've seen yeah. I've
1: seen that I've seen that you know uh, mentoring startups. I've, I've, I agree. I've heard I bet it several times. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard it several times, and that is when know, we reach a situation when we worship money, and that is absolutely not the approach you should have because you're going to fail.
0: But Even maybe this but maybe like maybe I'm stuck you. maybe I'm stuck on the on the actual the, the 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 word usage of it. Maybe it's not, you know, the whole stuck on money and like those things cuz cuz people typically use money as like some fear tactic to to make people feel like you're just selfish and you know you're not you know, you're not, you're just you're just being an asshole because you just care about money. Mm. And it's uses it's used as something to insult people at some points, right? Because some people use it to empower themselves and some people use it to insult others. Oh, all you care about is yeah. money. Well, fuck, dude. Yeah. Last time I checked, my lights need care about money. Last time I checked, mm. kid cares about money. They gotta go to fucking school. Last time I checked. You know, nothing runs for free in my car. You know, last time I checked, the world operates off of money. Like, what are we talking here? And it's like there's this big demonizing culture of money, but it's it's it's, it's almost it's hypocritical. We need it to function. And I think it's more like it's not about hating money. And I'm not saying you're saying that at all. But I think like some of the, the directions people take it as like, it's oh, well, maybe I shouldn't like money because money's bad. I need to worry about my resilience and all this other stuff like that. But I've seen a lot of founders who had all those things, but they fucking sucked with the money and they failed.
1: Oh, There's no question. If you suck at the money as an entrepreneur, you're going to fail. No, There's no question, no question at all. As an entrepreneur, as a funder, cash is your number one priority because you need, you need cash to run the company. So I totally, I totally agree with you. I'm talking about worshipping the money. Right. Doing it for the wrong reason and one of the wrong reasons is doing it for the money. And for only, only money. for the money.
0: Yes. Yeah. But then there's, you know, then there, then Laurent, there's these weird ass people. There's a lot, of, you know, these you know the Facebook movie came out. We're talking about that shit again. The Facebook movie came out <laughs> 2012. It fucked up the market. Everybody wanted to be an yeah. entrepreneur. Wannapreneurs kicked out of the fucking worms. Everywhere there's wannapreneurs after that movie came out because then it 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 it, it, it fulfilled this fantasy that you can be this billionaire, you could be this smart kid, and just be in college, and you can skip the whole line. And so it just fueled a lot of want And a lot of those want became successful entrepreneurs. A lot of them failed, of course. Mostly all failed, but a lot of them dicks become. Like, you've asked them what was a lot of their motivations. Of sure. course, partial of it was, you know, they wanted to change the world. But, you know, a lot of them are living in their big fucking castles, and they're not really changing the fucking world. You know, they're only changing, you know, their new yep. houses. So it's like at some point, motivation and money, it really just depends. Because some people, that is their motivation. That is their push. A lot of people I've met in the successful world have had motivation of money. They were poor when they were growing up. Some pain. You know, when I was little, I was poor, and I didn't have food. So now I feel like I need to accumulate, like a hoarder, more money. And not saying everybody's like that, but there's different triggers for people. And sometimes, even if you just care about money they still become successful. I know plenty of people who just care about money. They became so I'm like what the fuck? But but then the question is are they happy? But that's a separate issue, right? No, it's not. You think not?
1: Yeah. I, I don't think it is. I think it's the same at the I think it's the same issue. So there's been plenty plenty you know people You're saying money money doesn't buy happiness.
0: Right. But but you don't think that's a separate issue because there's plenty of people who became who 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 are working in companies. They built a lot of the things in the companies and they got really wealthy and there wasn't their hundred percent intentions to make all this money, but they just got successful. Yeah. When they got there, they realized they also thought cause it was just, it was an extra component that money was there and now they didn't have to worry about this, but now they're bored yes. and now they really didn't take time to look at other things in their life.
1: No, but those people, those people, I'm sure they're happy.
0: Now they are, but a lot of them didn't like, there's a lot of them like Justin Kahn, You know, there's guys like that who were, you know, a part of YC and they started out Twitch and things like that. These guys talked about it. You know, they weren't coming to initially just like to worship money. They just wanted to start a company and it was just like some ideas and they just moved out and kind of just did some things and they were passionate about it. Their startup wasn't really making money. But then there was the component that, of course, I could make money off of this. And when they got to the point from what I'm referencing, you know, they realized, hey, well, money didn't make me happier. But it wasn't their motivation. But they realized that money still didn't make them happy. And I think that was just something that they thought too as well. It's like, hey, well, I'm doing this for this cause, but I'm going to get paid for it too. That's awesome. But now I've got all this money, and guess what? This doesn't really fulfill me. But I'm saying like even the people who have not put that you know, money ahead of things as like the the thing to make them happy or the motivation to build their company, they've came back and said, hey, look, you know, they also thought that money was going to make them, you know, change things for them, and that didn't help them at all. So they still had the same type of issue of lack of happiness. And then there's some people who just have this happiness when they've gotten the money. Is it is it this at some point that some people are just different and they take it differently?
1: Yeah, and also, and also, I also believe uh, that uh, I, I truly believe that money will not buy happiness. I agree. And, and i don't think there are a lot of people who are chasing the money only focusing on the money that are, that are who are happy in life
0: but do you have to be do you have to be an entrepreneur um and build a successful company and to not be happy like there's poor people that aren't happy of
1: course but there are poor people who are also happy and the rich people who are not happy but and why, does, people but why happy?
0: does but why does always when we start talking about money that automatically we ask, oh, they're not happy. There's poor people that aren't happy. There's, poor people, there's rich people that aren't happy. There's rich people that are happy. Does it automatically mean when you get money that you have to have this you know, not happiness component? Why is that always brought up? I, like,
1: do, it's, a good, it's a good question. Do we demonize have, poor people?
0: Do we demonize, me, sorry, do we no, demonize it, rich no. people all the time because we think they only care about money, so they're not happy? That always seems like the byproduct of a conversation. But, okay,
1: I've lived in Asia. Okay. I've went into rural areas, poor rural areas, okay? Uh I've seen people who are not that not happy. Right.
0: But isn't that relative? Isn't that relative to this area? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, of course it is relative. Because, like, people in New York, they're poor as fuck, right? There's people in New York that are really poor, but they live right next to rich people. So they see all the time what it's like to be rich it's the same it's the same it's but if the you're same super Asia. poor in the middle of I mean, nowhere do you see what's happening in a bigger city you don't really go there not
1: when you're in the middle not when you're in the middle of nowhere but you see right. on TV you have access to TV you see,
0: you see you see stuff but most of the people around you are all poor
1: it, it, that's that i don't know i'm not a I'm not a specialist on a on a question but i do believe i okay. do believe that uh well i'm going to take my example i used to have more money I used to make more money uh, than I'm making now, Mm -hmm. but I was not enjoying it. Right. Because I was too busy working. I was too busy. I was too busy partying. I was too busy not being home. Now I have less money, but I am more aware of the value of it.
0: Right. But it's also the quality of time, right? Sorry? Like the quality quality of time. Quality of time. Yeah. I mean, like now you care more about quality of time. Yes, because you were working more to make more money, and not actually see working less but still making the money. Would you have? Would you feel the same? Because like if you were still working less, because like you, you've worked so much that that seems like it was the real issue of why you actually just felt burnt out. I was working so fucking much that sure. now I just don't feel like I'm just. I feel like I'm just chasing the money, no, and it's not. No, but
1: up. what I what I, what I was what I'm saying is, hmm. I I I was making more money, but I was not enjoying it. I didn't I reach, I reached a point where I didn't really care how much I was spending, you know, when I was going out for, in, for instance. Okay. Uh that is not that is not my value. This is not who I am. And so now I make a bit less money, but it is I enjoy it more. I can because I understand the value of it more. And also because I have more time to spend it.
0: Truly. Right. But I understand that. And I think what I'm still asking though is everybody that makes more money doesn't have to work thousands of hours is i'm asking like is no. it was it the issue of you had to work a lot and you didn't like what you were doing more than actually just because it was the money because if you still did the things that you did that you do like and you have more time and you have all those other things and you still make more money would you be upset about the money is, is the money was the, was money really the root or was it really the root that you no. were doing what you were having? No, no,
1: no, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was the work and, and the situation I was, I was
0: in. Right. But that's what I'm saying. A lot of people. But I was not enjoying,
1: I was not enjoying the money.
0: Because you didn't enjoy what you were doing.
1: True. But then, then what I believe is that there's a lot, I believe there's a lot of people yes. who come to a point, they don't have money and suddenly they have the money and you know they want to have the big car, the big house because they they are they are chasing stuff. Like they're going to one point to another point, thinking that once they reach there, they're going to be happier. Right. And then they realize that when they once they are there, they're not happier. And so they it's like okay, what's next? And so they forget to enjoy. They forget to enjoy the journey.
0: They right. always focus
1: on the on the destination. Right. And I think that's one of the that's one of the issues that money uh, brings.
0: Right. I mean you know, I think what I'm saying is I agree with you one hundred percent. Besides the fact that I think that it's money that brings it, I think it's people's expectations of money is what brings okay. it. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Fair enough. But I think we just yeah, do yeah, it on money. Enough. I think that's where I'm at is like people we tend to just demonize the money, the money, the money, the money. They're just and people do that. In a society we either praise money or we demonize it. And I'm just always looking for this 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 middle ground where it's like hey, man, it's just a tool, and it's a great tool that helps me legitimize certain things that I want to do in life, but that's it. I don't marry the money. I don't worship the money. I don't, I'm American, so I need money. I have to have money, billions of dollars. No, 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 no. I don't wake up just thinking about the money, but I understand that money is a tool, and I mind it and understand it for that, but at the same point, of course, quality of life matters fucking more, but at the same time, money matters as much. I like a balance, a happy medium of things, and I think if you can think of that way, and have it as a balance to where you, 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 you understand that money's important. It's not your whole holy grail, but at the same time, your, your quality of life matters. And if you can find a middle place, which I think a lot of people can't, they end up finding an either or. They have to dump either or because society tells them, well, if you care about money, you're gonna lose quality of life. You know, how many of those rich people are happy? No. <laughs> how many of those rich people are happy? Rich people are all sad, they're depressed. I mean, that's typical things that, we, that, that people say so, that are poor. We demonize rich. Oh, they're just, oh, they got all that money. They got all those cars, but I bet you they're miserable in their house. You know, which I've seen poor people that were miserable in their house. I've seen middle class that are miserable in their house. I've seen people who had their bills paid that were miserable in their house. It has to do with people, not the money. I agree. We got to work on ourselves. Give ourselves some fucking hugs. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but, yeah, Laurent, man, you've been an awesome fucking guest on the show, man. I had some great conversations with you so far. It's been uh, entertaining. We had some great pushback and, and some, some great learning lessons there, man. I made some veins you've come up your head. you
1: challenged me a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely got to give you a hug out there, brother. It's all love. I appreciate you as being a human being and, you know, helping other people. I mean, helping people is important. I love helping people too, man. I totally get it, man. And, I, I, you know, I wasn't just busting your balls. I get in that same thing in the past where I've just, you know, get out there, try to help people, and I've put myself last. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, as you said previously, sometimes you need to echo that back out to the universe because you notice that thing sometimes in yourself, and you know you need to work on those things. And when you see it, you're easily at identifying that and helping other people. And that, that is a beautiful thing, you know, self-reflection. So keep on doing it, man. Keep on killing. Congratulations on the podcast. i like to thank you for coming on the show. It's been awesome, dude. But uh, if you want to hang you. on for... Thank a...
1: you for, uh, for having me.
0: Yeah, man. So if you want to hang on for a couple of seconds, I got to make sure we upload. And uh, so everybody can okay. enjoy this beautiful fucking conversation we just had. It was so fun. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One second. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. The Kids in the Room Podcast. The Kids of the Room Podcast. That's right. That's right. Brought to you by right. Moo Faces. Yeah. Let's, Let's go. What a catch by George oh. Kittle. <laughs>
1: Hey Niner fans, George Kittle here with a pro tip for making the best play on your eyewear. Visit Zenni.com, the official eyewear of the 49ers. Zenni has changed the game for you, finally making prescription glasses affordable for everyone. At Zenni, you can find over 3,000 frames with unbelievable prices. Look for the Kittle's collection so you can rock our styles every day too. So visit Z-E-N-N-I.com, start shopping from home using their virtual try-on, and change your eyewear game forever.